Our scripture reading this morning comes from Genesis 4, uh, verse 2b through 7. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desires to have you, but you must rule over it. This is the word of the Lord for us. When you play that game of pickup and you're standing, waiting to be picked, hoping to be picked, it can be kind of awkward. You might remember that from recess or gym class or on the playground. And it's, I'll take him. I'll take her. You over there. Not you. And, and, and one by one, the children are selected until finally there is one kid left waiting to be picked. Hmm, okay, well, you get Leonard. Let's go. <laughs> it's pretty crummy to be picked last. No one wants to be picked last. And I'd like to suggest this morning that that's just what we do to God sometimes with our resources. That, that we take our money and we spend it on our bills and our food and our investments and our entertainment and our shopping. And after all of that, then we might give God consideration. We treat God like Leonard. Everything else has been taken care of, God. And so now I will consider you. You are the last one picked. It's like that cluster of grapes that I see at the Reisner dinner table. And I can't wait to get some delicious... I love fruit, and I'm waiting on the cluster of grapes. And as it goes around the table, all of the biggest, juiciest, ripest grapes get picked. And when it gets all the way around the table, all that's left are those puny, shriveled... I mean, they're practically raisins on the vine. But here's the wisdom of Solomon from the scriptures in Proverbs chapter 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And what this means is that we offer God our very best. We do it without hesitation, without regret. That he is the first one picked. Before anyone, before anything else. This is called the first fruit. And it's what we're going to talk about together today. So let me introduce myself. My name is John. I'm thrilled to have you with us today. Those of you that are here in the house, as well as those of you that are tuning in online. I know we've got a couple of families that are down in Florida who are tuning in this morning. So enjoy the sunshine. <laughs> And come back to cold Ohio. <laughs> but I'm praying that through our time together, your heart grows stronger and your faith grows deeper. So I'd like to encourage us today that as we consider growing in our generosity and rightly practicing what we will learn about, these first fruits, that, that as we do those things, we are following Christ's example. We are becoming even more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Also, at the onset of this particular message, I feel it appropriate to issue a great big giant thank you 
to each and every one of you for your financial giving here at MCA. We're grateful for the way our church family contributes and gives to the ministry. You know, last year in 2020, we stopped passing the plate in our worship services. Did anybody notice that? We used to take time and pass the plates and take the offering. What we did was we put these little offering boxes in the back. And what happened was week after week after week, you continued to faithfully and cheerfully give. And so we are grateful for that. It's an act of worship. And then the stewards of the finances at the church, which are basically our trustees and our treasurer, they're committed to very diligently and very prayerfully stewarding those resources to to meet our budget. And so I just want to say how grateful we are for our church family and, and your giving. And simply put, that's kind of the way our ministry runs. <laughs> that's kind of the way we function here is, is from our tithes and offerings, we fund the ministry and then the various missions that we support, both globally and locally. I recall a colleague of mine, a, a pastor, who he went to his church with this proposal. He said, I'd like you to reduce my salary by 10% for the coming year, and then I won't tithe out of it. So in other words, we can consider this sort of just an automatic tithing deduction. So reduce my salary by 10% and then I won't tithe. We'll sort of consider that the tithe. And boy, I think he missed something there. I'm not quite sure that, that he realized what he was giving up and what he was missing out on. That he, was, he was missing the opportunity to worship with his church family through financial giving. That he was really kind of removing himself from a vital part of the church life. So our generosity and contributing of our own free will is for the ministry of the church. And I have had people say, well, it does seem kind of silly for a pastor to tithe or to give to the church, right? I mean, you're, you're essentially putting back into the pot that your paycheck comes from. And I say, no, I don't view it that way at all. Each and every one of us, including myself, have the opportunity to financially support the ministry of MCA. And so I choose to do that. And what a great sense of joy and gratitude and honor and a privilege it is for me to also give financially to support our ministry here. By the way, young people, you are not out of this conversation. Do you have a job? Did you get birthday money? Did your neighbor give you 20 bucks for raking their leaves? Then God invites you to give a portion back to him through your local church to, to do your part, to do it cheerfully as an act of worship. So don't rob yourself of the joy of generosity. Don't miss out on the beauty of worshiping God through your tithes and offerings. That's a part that each and every one of us can play, no matter what our age. You, you have a, a part to play in your local church. When you give, you're supporting our ministry and our vision. And in so doing, as I said, you're imitating Jesus. You're becoming even more like our Lord, who has this spirit of sacrifice and love. And so... With that, today we're talking about first fruits, tithing, generosity, and stewardship. That, that we are to cheerfully give, why? In response to all the Lord has done for us through Christ. 
But there was a man in the Bible who didn't do that, right? We just heard that scripture, and that's where we're going to be. So turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 4. His name was Cain. He was not a cheerful giver. He did not give God his first fruits. So let's read about him. This is where Christy read for us just a moment ago. It's kind of picking up in the second part of verse 2 in Genesis chapter 4. It tells us that Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. And in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Have you ever received a gift and just wondered how much thought went into this? Like, how much effort is really on display here in this gift? And sometimes you just don't sense that much thought, consideration was given. And so that gift is not very meaningful. You might re-gift it. (laughs) You might throw it in the trash can. You might throw it in the closet. And Cain just seems to be that kind of giver. He brought the Lord. If we look closely there in verse 3, some of the fruits of the soil as an offering. Cain's like, if I just toss God some olives, some figs, maybe a pomegranate, then he'll be happy, right? Wrong. The Lord did not look with favor on Cain and his offering. And then as we know, this is a story you learned in Sunday school. Cain goes out and murders his brother Abel. Abel had an offering that did please the Lord. Cain was was angry. Here's what I'd like to do with the rest of our time together. As we talk this morning and consider how might we grow in our generosity, that, that I'd like to share three ways we can be good stewards. Three ways that we can cultivate generous living. And the first is to give your best. God wants our best. That's really what the story of Cain and Abel illustrates. Cain could have given his first fruits. He could have offered those big, juicy, ripe, the best selection of his bounty, but he didn't. It's that, it's that uh, pail of grapes that goes around the dinner table. Cain took what he wanted first, and then he gave God the leftovers. And it reminds me of a couple that went to a very expensive restaurant. Now, this was a middle-class couple, and this was not a restaurant that they were typically in. This was a five-star restaurant, very expensive, and as they found, very delicious. I mean, they just loved this food. It was fantastic. But they couldn't finish their entire meal, and they had leftovers. Well, they really wanted to take these leftovers home, but they were too embarrassed to ask for the takeout box. They're, they're kind of looking around at the other tables like, is anyone else getting a takeout box? Like maybe, you, maybe they don't even do that in this kind of restaurant. They're embarrassed. They're not sure what to do. They don't see anybody else doing it. But then they came up with a plan. So when the waiter comes back, they say in the most nonchalant way they can, hey, uh, if you've got a box, um, you know, we, we would uh, take these leftovers home for our dog. The waiter's like, Yeah, sure, no problem. He clears the table. He takes the leftovers with him, and he comes back with this bag. It's a takeout bag. And they're like, yes. And then when he gives it to him, he gives him a wink and goes, there's a little something extra in there for your dog. They're like, this is even better than we expected. And then he goes, yeah, I took all the leftovers from the other tables and mixed them in there. (laughs) 
Offering a first fruit isn't the leftovers. It's the first. It's the best. It's the choicest. It means giving God our very best. Now, this point is appropriate for me to tell you that I'm not just talking about money. In, in context here, we would actually be talking about the fruits of the soil, of course, or, or the livestock, the, the resources that they had. What I'm talking about is, we could be categorized in four different areas, all starting with the letter T, by the way. Time, treasure, talent, and testimony. That, that God expects stewardship and even generosity with all of those areas. So let's do a quick rundown there. Are we being generous with our time? Particularly thinking about giving God our best. Do you schedule your time with the Lord in prayer, in Bible study, in quiet time? Do you schedule that first and then everything else fits around it? Do do you maintain that time no matter what else comes up in your day or in your week? Do do you plan it for that time when you're going to be the sharpest, the most alert, kind of ready to dig into God's word, to, to learn and to grow, to hear from God? Well, if not, then you're not giving God your best with your time. With our treasures, is it the first thing you do with your paycheck to give your tithe? Or do you wait until everything else has kind of shaken out? Well, I'm going to make sure I've got all of my needs met. I'm going to make sure that I pay all of my bills and meet all of my obligations and go to all of the entertainment venues that I would like to go to. And then I'll settle up with God after the fact, at the end of the month, or maybe even at the end of the year. I'll just give God the leftovers at the end of the year. That doesn't sound like you're giving God your best. It doesn't sound like a first fruit. How about with your talent? Are you using your gifts? We just talked about this a lot this fall, right? With with improving our serve, that, that, God's, that your talent is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to him. What, what are you doing with the talents and gifts? Are you using them to build up the body of Christ? And then finally, with our testimony, are you eagerly waiting and, and praying and, and looking for and hoping for an opportunity to share the life-giving power of Jesus with the world? Are you prepared for that? Are you, are you mindful of the ways that God is working and eager to share those with others? Because I'd like to let you know this morning that people are hungry for the truth. That people desperately need to hear about God's goodness and God's grace that is for them. And he wants to use you. But if you're not prepared, then those opportunities are going to come and you're going to miss them. God is going to open wide the door. Will you steward your testimony? Will you share of my goodness? And you're not going to do it. And you've not given God your best in stewarding your testimony. As we think about Cain and Abel, you might say, well, boy, it kind of looks like Cain did okay here. Didn't he give God fruit? Yep, he did. But that's what is on the outside. And God doesn't care about what's on the outside. God cares about what's on the inside. And so we actually have a New Testament teaching that talks about Cain and Abel, and it's in Hebrews chapter 11. If we look there at verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. See, Abel gave his very best. 
with a heart that was operating by faith, trusting God, loving God, honoring God, and Cain did not. Cain gave half-heartedly. Or or we could just say he was kind of going through the motions. As I said, here's a pomegranate, here are a couple figs, and we do the exact same thing. Every time we write a tithe check begrudgingly, we do the exact same thing that Cain did. Every time we roll our eyes and say, well, I got another ministry obligation I volunteered for, we do the exact same thing. Every time we sit down with the word of God and we just sort of flip it open, read through it, close it, get up and go on with our day with zero life change, we do the exact same thing. We're going through the motions. On the outside, you can say, well, I did my Bible reading for today. But on the inside, is it a heart that honors God? Is it an able attitude that says, God, you're getting my very best, nothing less? Because God makes it really clear that that's what he approves of, that's what he longs for, that's what he calls us to do. The second key to a generous life is to give freely. See, this is an invitation that that God allows us to give to him, to be generous, to be a a good steward, that that it's our choice. We choose to give or not to give and how much we might give. There's no membership fee. You might have noticed that. We We did new members uh, this fall here at MCA, we had a, a fresh group of people who are, who are just getting enfolded and assimilated here. They wanted to take this step of, we want to become a formal member. Nowhere in that process, my friend, was there a membership fee. Like if you were to go to the gym and say, I want to be a member here at the gym, they would ask you to pay a fee, but not in the church. Well, I should say, there was a period of time where that happened back in the dark ages. <laughs> it's, it's only appropriate for us to recognize the historical context and flaws of the church where the priest would say, uh, if you give enough money, then your dead relative will surely be gained entrance into heaven. I mean, what can we learn from that? Boy, look how far off base we get when we don't stand on the truth of God's word. How disastrous for any people group, any church group, to not have the word of God informing, influencing, teaching, and guiding us. So unfortunately, there was a period of time where he kind of had to pay pay membership fees in the church, but not today and not here. There's no membership fee. Instead, God invites us. He allows us. He he wants us to give, but he wants us to give freely. Now, yes, there is a biblical precedent for the 10%. And I'm not sure, based on your church background, how you uh, heard this taught or what the perspective was. But as I look at the scriptures, what I see is there is this interesting biblical precedent, even going back into the Old Testament, for 10%. That is to say, Abraham gave 10% to the Lord. Jacob did the exact same. By the way, tithe simply means tenth. So don't be confused there. Tithe means tenth. It it is a bit of a misnomer sometimes if you're like, well, I'm going to tithe 8%. Well, there is no such thing. You can't tithe 8%. A tithe is 10%. And so when I use that word, please know that's really what it means. So as we're tracking then with the people of God, and as we do a study of tithing in the scriptures, we see that in Leviticus, with the Mosaic law then, the people were indeed instructed to give a tenth of all of their resources. This was including the first and the best of all of their crops, all of their fruit harvests, all of their livestock. Now, if you read 
the Old Testament, particularly, you could even leave through it now if you want, Leviticus chapters 1 through 6, you're going to see all kinds of other offerings. In, in addition to the 10% that the Lord required of his people, then there were burnt offerings, grain offerings, sin offerings, trespass offerings, peace offerings, drink offerings, wave offerings. That sounds like a, the COVID way of doing greetings in church, isn't it? It's a wave offering. <laughs> so they, they, they had all of these additional offerings. Now, our best calculations would put those offerings at an additional 13% of their resources. I'm not going to get bogged down in the numbers. I just want to teach this clearly from what I see. So if you would take the 10% plus the 13%, a Jewish person would have essentially been giving 23% back to the Lord. But for us today, we're not required to give that. As I said, there's no membership fee in the church. There's no New Testament passage that says 23% of all the earn shall be given back to your local church. I think that the, the biblical narrative and the, and the history of tithing helps us. It's helpful to me. It sort of informs my choice to say, as I think many of you have also sort of determined, well, I'm going to give 10% of what I earn to the church. And then I'm going to give offerings on top of that to bless the Lord, to honor him. But here's what the New Testament teaching says. We'll get to this verse in just a minute, but it, it tells us that we are to give what we've decided in our heart to give. And all of a sudden you realize that's where the outward and the inward connect. We don't just give on the outside, begrudgingly on the inside, but it begins with, okay, Lord, what do you want me to give? And then the outward puts that on display. So we give freely. We choose to make God our priority. But people don't always do that. In fact, we know from the scriptures that God's people don't always do that. Do you remember when we studied the book of Haggai? The people were living in paneled houses while the temple was in ruins. And the Lord comes to them and says, go up into the mountain, bring down the timber and build my house. The prophet Malachi has a similar message. In fact, turn there in your Bibles. Malachi, chapter 3. This is a rebuke that the Lord brings through the prophet to his people because they were not giving freely to the Lord. So if we go to Malachi, chapter 3, starting at verse 8, words of the Lord. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? in tithes and offerings. And the Lord brings this very ominous word to his people for, for their sin, for their not giving freely. In verse 9, he says, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. And then he gives this great promise in verse 10. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. When it comes to our giving and generosity, we don't impress God. We don't just give so much that God's like, wow, I can't believe you gave all that. Now I really owe you. No, you can't outgive God. In fact, if this text from Malachi teaches us anything, it's really clear that the language of robbing God highlights the fact that it all belongs to God. If God is saying, you're robbing me, 
You, you would not say that someone is robbing you unless they're taking something that belongs to you. So it stands to reason that from Malachi chapter 3, when the Lord accuses them of robbing him by not giving, this, it highlights this great biblical truth. It all belongs to God anyway. He's the owner and we are the stewards. Have I told you guys that the Catholics in Las Vegas can tithe by actually giving casino chips into their offerings in their local churches? I, I think I told you that. Yeah, I'm getting some, some head nods. <laughs> well, then they send a brother around to all the casinos and he collects all the chips. And I guess he's the chipmunk. Um, <laughs> Jesus reminds us that we are to be heavenly minded. And so in Matthew chapter 6, the words of our Lord, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We are to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then he says, and all these other things will be added to you as well. So if our treasure is used for Christ, then our heart will follow that. Our, our affections will also be drawn to him and we will then give cheerfully. And that's our third point this morning as we're talking about ways to grow in our generosity, to give cheerfully. I mentioned the uh, kids getting picked for the game of pickup. Well, I used to teach eighth grade gym class in a school. Dodgeball was a favorite. And sometimes we did boys versus girls. But a lot of times, that wasn't the best way to divide the group up into dodgeball teams. And so I liked to do it myself. There was kind of the, the lazy man's way of doing it where you go, you two be captains and you, and you pick and then you see the kids that are picked and all that. So I like to do it myself. So eighth grade gym class, we're going to play dodgeball and I go, everybody on the line. And then I do the thing where I'm looking them all over, right? And I realize that for them, this is a bigger moment than it is for me. For me, it's like, I'm going to do, this is just a, another daily uh, task. I'm going to check off the list, eighth grade gym class done. But for them, it's this moment in time where they're standing there and the gym teacher is going to pick first. And my favorite thing to do was to go to the kids that always got picked last. I'd be like, Leonard. <laughs> and Leonard's eyes light up. And I go, you, man, you're right over here on this side. And I would just keep it going. Sadie, you're next. The kids who never got picked first. And I would pick them first and just watch their reaction. As happy as that made those eighth graders about being picked first for dodgeball. How much more, my friends, do we bring a smile to the face of God when we honor him first in our lives? We want to cheerfully give to him our time and our treasure, our talents and our testimony. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In verse 7, Paul says, Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. So recall what we just talked about, that we're to give freely. For God loves a cheerful giver. And then verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. 
So right now we're going to be heading into a season of thanks with the Thanksgiving holiday coming up this month. Will you demonstrate your gratitude for all God has done? Today, as we consider growing in our generosity, I just want to point out, we've, we've talked about these three keys, three ways we can grow in our generosity, that in each and every one of those ways, we're simply mirroring that which God has already done for us. We're just imitating what God has done. So consider this, that God gave his best. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. He gave his best in Jesus Christ, that, that God gave freely, freely, freely. You have received. So freely, freely give, the scriptures tell us. Also, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God gave his best. God gave freely. And God also gave cheerfully. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So we're simply mirroring that which we've seen and experienced and received. That lavish love, generosity from our heavenly father. Praise God that he has been generous. Praise God that he first gave to us. That in his great mercy, he gave us Jesus, the spotless sacrifice. To pay for our sins. To make a way for us into his kingdom. And so as we respond with gratitude, my friends, let's be generous. Let's give our best. Let's give freely. Let's give cheerfully. And I pray today that each and every one of us would realize this is not a money issue. It's a heart issue. This is not about dollars and cents. This is about an attitude. Will we choose to honor God? Will we turn our whole life over to him? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Will we live in grateful response to the gospel? You know, temporary things, they're never going to truly satisfy you. They're not going to bring you lasting happiness. Only Christ can. The most important thing you could ever do in terms of stewardship is to follow Jesus with your life and to help others do the exact same thing. So ultimately then, this generosity and this stewardship, it comes down to the gospel. You've been entrusted with the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What are you going to do with it? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for these dear brothers and sisters of mine. And I thank you that you love us and that you sanctify us by the work of your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, today we thank you for the truth of your word. Help us to believe, O oh God. Help us to take you at your word to walk in the truth. Thank you, God, that you've called us through the gospel. And, Lord, we want to honor you with our first fruits, with our time and our treasure, and our talent, and our testimony. So God, help us to bring you glory by living for you. Help us to stand firm in a culture that's far from you. Cause our hearts to grow stronger and our faith to grow deeper because of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.